Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Stud Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. Good Monday morning to you out there. It is football season. It's the Gridiron Stud Show. It's Chad Wilson. It's Amo Calamino. And uh, unlike the National Football League, we are going to have a show for you today and report to work. Amo, what an embarrassment for the National Football League last night. Ouch. That's all I could say. Ouch. I mean, what do we do here? Do we suspend Goodell four games? I, I mean, you had one job. Do they even play games in that stadium of any kind? You had a whole year. What's the deal? I know. I heard I heard the deal is some goofball painted it with the wrong paint. It melted into like a tar-like substance. So I guess they would have been playing the game on uh, what amounts to macadam. <laughs> it sounds like. I don't know, Emil. I've uh, looked, you know, looked back at games that were played back in the day. And those don't look like the greatest of field conditions, but... Then again, in this day and age, guys are getting paid millions and millions upon dollars, and uh, lawyers play a bigger part of our society, so I guess you just really can't do something like send guys out on tar to play a, a Hall of Fame preseason football game. But uh, I, heard they lost, I heard they lost about $4 million only. I mean, only the NFL, $4 million bucks is like you getting a $5 parking ticket today. I guess, but, you know, just the embarrassment is worth more than the $4 million. Listen, folks have been with going, I don't know, weeks and weeks without football, with dying for football, any kind of football, even the Packers and the Colts in a preseason football game. And, uh, you know, you kind of get left hanging, literally, uh, by the NFL. Well, uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, they could always they could always scroll through ESPN and they'll find a list or something to amuse themselves. I was I was waiting to come on air this morning, so I was just flipping through ESPN, you know, and I, I somehow I hit the college football section, and you probably saw this already. They ranked like the the hundred, you know, hundred through number one football players in in college football. Well, first of all, what is there 125 teams? So how do you even compile a list like that? They basically ranked Alabama's team. You know, it's like, here, all their starters, we'll put them in there. I mean, it was crazy. I'm like, who yeah, comes up with uh, these lists? People just love lists. You know, we, let me, well, lists draw attention. They cause, uh, you know, debate. And I guess that's a, a great thing in this day and age. Anything causing debate uh, and, and causing people to say, what the hell are you talking about, is uh, good when it comes to media. So uh, that's all we get now. The NFL every year does the top 100 players in the NFL. Uh, I've kept up with it the first year uh, and haven't since. But no, I you know I mean I flipped through them just and I don't even know who's. I mean I, I did this more curious because I was basically I wanted to see who made the list and you know I'm looking I'm like well okay I know Alabama's really good, but you know you have about 20 of their guys on this list. Okay, <laughs> so I mean 
you know, what's the point of the list, I guess, is where I'm going. I mean, how uh, how deep are they going into this stuff? Like you said, though, it'll cause somebody on a message board or on Twitter to get into a fight with someone else, and that gets clicks, and that's where, that's what they want. Yeah, that's uh, what makes this whole thing go around. No, no, and it's it's pretty good. Uh, it's a pretty pretty good space holder um, from January all the way until right now, when you're supposed to be playing Hall of Fame football games, but some goofball used the wrong paint. You think that guy has? Well, a you know, this morning? you know, what caused me to take a look today when we were going through. You know, I was looking, reading the story last night. The other thing that strikes me is maybe it's just my imagination, but I don't think so. The last few years, it seems like the NFL keeps starting later and later. I recall, you know, most of the time the the NFL starting right around or before even Labor Day, depending on how late Labor Day was. Mm -hmm. Um, The first Sunday this year, I mean, I know there's the opening game, you know, Wednesday or Thursday, whatever they're doing this year. The first Sunday, September 11th, that, that just seems late to me. You're almost, you know, you're almost into the midpoint of September. I think that's as late as it's ever been. Uh, you know, if there's some way of checking that, I just don't ever remember it starting that late. But here we have it. I know the college football, uh, the most of the games are going to be starting on, uh, I want to say, the, the the third, I guess that would be. Yeah, September that's 3rd. that big. So, the, the, anybody who uh, hasn't taken the time that's listening to go out and check the schedule uh, for September 3rd. I mean, the first games are Thursday, September 1st. I mean, that's that opening Thursday. And, you know, you get a lot of uh, what I'll call, you know, those games that we like to call the directional games. Although there's a few, you know, you have your South Carolina Vanderbilt. For some reason, the SEC feels the need to make two teams play an opener that counts in the conference. I, I, they do that every year. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and you, you have an Oregon State, Minnesota, some of uh, you know lesser-known Power Five teams. But the big Saturday games, uh, that Saturday the third, will have you jonesing for football if you go read the schedule right now. I mean, if you, uh, well, <laughs> you're we, a football fan, that'll be one of the things that we will talk about on the show today. We'll also talk about, hey, you know, I ran a poll as to, uh, you know, I've been going through and reading uh, who most people or what everyone thinks uh, will be the four teams in this year's college football playoff. There isn't a tr- there isn't a complete consensus, but uh, I hit a bunch of sources and have come up with the four teams that seem to pop up the most in there. We'll talk about that. I didn't run a poll on Twitter asking everyone of the four teams that I have listed here which team is least likely to uh, make it into the college football playoff this year. You may or may not be surprised by who everyone uh, who won that poll. We'll talk about that on the show today. We'll also talk about the Hall of Fame, and I'm not just talking about the NFL, but this is a football show. Are sports writers, Emil, playing God when it comes to Hall of Fame? Um, we'll get into that discussion today, and we'll talk about that. We didn't that. have a conversation also, yesterday, did we? Because, honest um, to God, no. I went off on this for, for 20 minutes in my car driving somewhere with my wife, and it wasn't just about the NFL Hall of Fame. It actually was on the Baseball Hall of Fame talking about A-Rod stepping down yesterday, and I was mm-hmm. just going off on sports writers uh, determining their own criteria for the Hall of Fame. So I'm, I'm going to be interested to hear what you have to say because mine was a rant. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll get into that on the show today. If you want to join us on the show today and want to give us a call, we'd welcome that. The number to call is 347-633-9365. Again, it's 347-633-9365. Uh, you can always join us on Twitter. If uh, you're not able to call us, you're at work or uh, something like that, you can give us. Uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Gridiron Studs. We'll welcome your comments or questions 
there. So uh, let's talk about that first week, Amal. And I, I just, you know, I hadn't done this until you mentioned it, but going through here, some real, some real snoozers there. Thursday, September 1st. Uh, well, by the way, we do on uh, August 26th. Not much made about it, but Hawaii is going to play Cal in, in Sydney. Yeah. You. I guess this? that's probably why I'm not making. I, I I'm not big into that stuff. I, I I I don't think it's fair to the teams, especially in a game that counts. Uh, Major League Baseball was trying that goofy stuff a few years ago. If you remember, they sent the Dodgers in Arizona for a couple of games in Australia, and then they took nine more days off and played some more preseason games and then started the real season. I mean, I I, I don't get it. I understand trying to spread the sport all over the world, but we have that. It's called television. It's just hard to make teams go do it. Uh, when it counts, so uh, I guess that's probably why I didn't pay attention. Yeah, I'm missing the logic on that one, but Hawaii, uh, which I guess is a closer game for them than Cal, is going to go <laughs> down to uh, <laughs> Sydney and well, uh, listen, take listen, on Let's the give Cal them some victory. credit. Let's give them some credit. They did use logic, at least I think. They didn't send you know, them if to I London. Have my geography right in in scheduling those two teams because it will be a shorter trip for. For Hawaii and even Cal, compared to say if they made I, I I don't know like Rutgers and Illinois go do it. Yeah. All right. Thursday, which is uh, the supposed to be the big kickoff. The I mean, listen, you're you've been sitting around for a god knows how many months, waiting for some college football to come on, and uh, that Thursday is the one that's really supposed to get you going. And ESPN is gonna is gonna. Bust out this big rivalry, South Carolina at Vanderbilt. That's your prime time college football game on ESPN, September 1st. Yeah, you know, I was a little disappointed Thursday. because I like to see that, that that game with the church playing Central Michigan. Uh, what is it, Presbyterian College? Presbyterian, yeah. Yeah, I'd uh, love to listen. see that game. I can't believe they didn't put that on the 8 o'clock slot, but, you know, I'm not a producer. Yeah, I, we don't have anything that can get you all uh, sauced up here on that Thursday uh, I'm not even going to sit here and read through all this. Um, Tennessee's taking How on about, Appalachian wait, come on, State. Read How about some of these games? There's the one where it's like, it sounds like your uncle, Tennessee Martin, playing Cincinnati. I mean, yeah, uh, Louisville's going to play Charlotte. You know, there'll be an upset maybe on one of these games here, but uh, Minnesota and Oregon State, maybe that's something uh, you can get. Semi- that's decent. No. That's a decent. Appalachian State playing Tennessee. I mean, although Tennessee's pretty loaded up this year, I mean, typically Appalachian State is a really good program. Um, they, they took the step up. I think it was last year or the year before. I forget into Division One, but they were a powerhouse in one AA. But they're, you know, that's going to be a tough. Uh, when your Tennessee's opener and Tennessee's got a good team, that's probably not a spot you want to be in. No, not at all. Then let's slide over to Friday. I don't expect anything on that Friday to be really, really big time. So what we're getting is um, Michigan State taking on that powerhouse Furman. How about that for you? You're getting that game. Uh, remember Baylor? They had a, a you know a very interesting off season to say the least. They're going to be taking on Northwestern State. Best game uh, on that Friday is going to be Stanford and Kansas State. Not a bad game. Yeah. You know. I feel like you are, should just you should go into the archive. And just put it on 15 minutes of the show, any show you want for the last three or four years for this segment, and we could be done. Because it seems like every year we get to this opening week, and especially these first two nights, and they just leave me as a football fan. And if I was a coach, they would leave me scratching my head. Listen, I understand 
maybe you don't want to, you know, it took some guts for USC and Alabama and some other teams we'll talk about next to schedule each other. I understand maybe that's not the route you want to go. But I see, I don't see what you get out of necessarily as a Michigan State playing Furman. It's not going to make you better. There, there, there's nothing to be gained from it. You know, I think with those opening games, they're they're not looking for a powerhouse opponent, and it must be difficult if you're a team like Michigan State to uh, find opponents. That's the only thing I could think of. And anyway, if you're a Furman, um, you're just trying to find that game. Maybe maybe you, maybe you do something out of this world on that particular day and uh, change your program forever, kind of like Appalachian State did against Michigan, I don't know how many years ago. That We might be on the 10-year anniversary of that coming up. But it changed their program forever, so I guess that's why a Furman would take that game. But, you know, if you're one of these other mid-major types that kind of have something to lose, uh, then I guess, you know, it's difficult for you to say yeah to something like that. That's the but, only but thing I can really think here's, of. Here's, especially with the playoff, here's my logic anymore. Okay, look, we'll talk about these games coming up. There's probably about six or seven of them on Saturday were teams that I would say are legitimately at least into discussion of, of teams that could probably get there, depending on the year they have, to the playoff. They're going to play each other. Obviously, one of them is going to come out of it with a loss. But my view is differently, different. You're going to play that game. It's going to help to make you better. It's going to prepare you for your conference. If any of these teams go, especially in, say, the Pac-12 or SEC, and they only lose one more game and they finish 11-2, and two, okay, Unless we have a year where there's just a whole bunch of undefeated teams, which anymore doesn't seem like that's going to happen as often just because of the way college football is, a team like that's 11-2 and out of the SEC and the champion is going to make the playoffs. Uh, most likely the Pac-12 as well, unless, like I said, like you have an ACC undefeated, a Big 12 undefeated, and that's usually not the case. So I don't think those games hurt you anymore. I really don't. Well... Try telling the schools that because they're not going out and uh, really putting those. Do you, together. Well, do you disagree you know, with me? I guess is my point. Do you, do you disagree with my logic, or who, how do you? No, see it? no, no, not at all. But you know, logic has no place in sports now. What are you talking about? You can be doing anything with logic. It's not for. Come on, what are you doing here? No, well, I, you know. Okay, but so you you see where I I could even understand before we had the playoff where you'd say, listen. I just, you know, there's only two teams. I, I can't take a loss, even if it's to a great program. Now, I mean, you can get in easily, especially a couple. I don't know. I think you know, if I you're know. an ACC football team, if you're an ACC football team, or uh, maybe an even, you know, Big 12 where you can't really get it back with a championship game at the end of the year, maybe then, you know, you're really rolling the dice yeah. if you do something like that. If you're, if you're those two conferences, the SEC – um, sure, but then the the logic for them is we could lose this opener, and then you know we might be looking at a loss within our tough conference. But there's still on, listen at, at eleven and two SEC champion, you're getting in. I mean, it's going to be hard. You'd have to have an undefeated Big Twelve, undefeated ACC. There'd have to be a really goofy year for you to to get locked out as a as a two loss team from the SEC with one of the losses being to a, a you know a top 15 power 5 school like and that's what I'm talking about I'm not saying you go out and just lose to any power 5 school I'm saying if uh if UCLA beats Texas A&M and Texas A&M ends up going 11 and 2 winning the conference beating Alabama and LSU they're going to be in unless it's just a really odd set of circumstances 
Yeah, well, I don't want to be totally negative. There's some pretty good games on uh, that first Saturday, and let's talk about those. Pretty good. In years, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> great. Pretty, pretty, pretty damn good games on on Saturday. There are a bunch of snoozers. There are a bunch of big conference teams taking on some weaklings, but that's that's always been a part of. Well, let, wait, wait, let's let's get everybody get your pen and paper out in case you're not you know good at researching. We're going to give you these in order so you can plan your couch time. Uh, pee breaks when you want to order wings and pizza because I really think about noon you should get anchored onto a couch and probably not leave until midnight. Yeah, get yourself all set up. I tell you what we'll do in true radio fashion. We're going to give you those top games in that first week that you need to look out for, but you're going to have to get them when we come back from the break. We'll be right back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Are you a property owner or want to be one, but you don't have time for property management? Then get an MVP on your team. Who has time for the letting process, for arranging inventories and organizing pre-tenancy cleaning, dealing with deposit negotiations and negotiating with service suppliers and maintenance? No one's got time for that. MVP does, though. Get this MVP on your team. You can rely on MVP property management to offer you an extreme amount of quality and professional services for your money. And because they know that everyone is different, they pride themselves in providing a professionalized service to each and every one of their clients. So how do you get this MVP on your team? It's simple. Pick up the phone and call right now. 844-696-8722. That's 844-MY-MVP-CC. Or send an email to info at mymvp.cc. Get this MVP on your team and start winning today. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit gridironstuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. Gridironstuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. to the Rolex wearing diamond ring wearing kiss stealing woo wheeling dealing limousine riding jet flying son of a gun and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down woo 
Everyone should kick off their Monday morning with a little Nature Boy Ric Flair. What do you say, Amos? That, that you, you know, I was going to ask you. Well. That sounded very familiar because you and I are in that same age group. We talk about this a lot in the show. Where you know, you, we we grew up with that really crazy pro. <laughs> You, listen, you, you, you got to ask my wife. I don't know for some reason the whole weekend uh, I've been listening to Rond, Randy Macho Man Savage. Um, he's not <laughs> with us anymore, am I right? He's not. He's not. He, he checked out some years ago, which you know tragically seems to happen to a lot of the old time wrestlers. They don't really make it into their sixties. But uh, no one did the promos like. Macho man, uh, everything from the ooh yeah to the turning his back um, to the camera, absolutely hilarious. Well, I've and, already and told mean you. Gene you know who my you know who my favorite is. Come on, I've told ooh, you so ooh. many times on the show. Well, Rowdy I Roddy totally Piper, forget. man. Oh yeah, no one you can't beat that guy. You know, you, you know everybody you thinks they have the guy. answers until someone changes the questions. Yeah, no, and and that guy there didn't pull any punches. He like no filter. That guy was uh he was one of my favorites as well. But uh, Macho Man, Macho Man is is my guy. And to be honest with you, my ex teammate at Miami um, really did his thing in the WWE. His 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 promos, his one liners um, were were pretty outstanding. I I, I think so. If I Oh yeah, he he, he, was, he was the best. Yeah, definitely the best. I do I do want to say when I look at Macho Man Randy Savage, I think he uh, he probably pulled a lot of uh, inspiration for some of his stuff from uh, the Macho Man. So I got to get some Macho Man. Uh, yeah, I got to get some Macho Man audio clips here on uh, the Gridiron Stud Show coming coming up, folks. You're gonna get a whole bunch of that. Someone's the cream of the crop around here. All right. We they don't, they don't the care about week. wrestling. Right now we have a whole bunch of people a lot younger than us saying, okay, get to the football games, guys. Enough. They don't even know who these people are, some of them. Uh, well, listen, if you're, if you're close to our age, you know who they are. But let's talk football. That's why we're here. It is the Gridiron Stud Show. And we're, uh, before the break, we're talking about the top games on that first Saturday of college football just under uh, a month away. What are the games we really need to be geared in for? I, listen. You guys are going to have to anchor in to your seats on that Saturday. You know, do something with the wife here the next couple of Saturdays because on Saturday, September 3rd, um, you're going to have to kiss her goodbye and anchor in because that's uh, one hell of a Saturday. So I want you to lead us through that. Okay, here's what we're going to do. uh, We're going to set you up, get your little pen and paper out, and you're going to have – we're going to give you a game that you have to – that's your main game at this time slot, and then you've got one for the thumb, okay? So when that game goes to commercial – you can flick it quick and go to check another game that's at least worth checking. Okay, so let's start at noon. You're not going to get this the... kind of a fan setup anywhere else as we're doing it. He's giving you a game no, for the thumb. No, How about that? No, they'll even, it'll be great, okay? Um, you're going to have to build your own. I can't build your pee breaks in there for you guys. Okay, so that, that, that you're going to have to work out on your own. But here we go. Yeah, you bring noon. a cup to the couch, man. Who goes <laughs> for a pee break? <laughs> Piss in the couch. Urinal, like at the couch. That's what real men do. We don't go to the bathroom on that first Saturday. Put your depends football. on and sit there and just pee yourself like on New yeah. Year's Eve in a, New York. Peeing a, pee a pamper. My my wife's in the room right now. What would she think about that? Um, if I sat at the couch on that first Saturday and just peed into a pamper, would that would that be acceptable man behavior? She, her eyes are She's open. She's rolling her eyes, like, isn't she? Like what kind of question is that even? But nevertheless. <laughs> yeah. It is okay. Cool. Here and we go. Every now and then, sorry, Emil, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in there with uh, one of these off-brand games. <laughs> we might need to think about Navy versus Fordham. Good. I'll just throw that in there somewhere in there. Go ahead. No, 
No, okay. Noon, we, first game we're going to tune in, and this, the, you're going to talk about these guys later. They're one of the teams that have been thrown around for this playoff at the end of the year. Oklahoma is going to Houston. Um, Houston made some noise last year. They're, they're highly regarded, top 15 in most you know, publications coming into the season, and they, they're going to uh, be hosting Oklahoma at noon. That, that has to be your main game at noon. Okay, get that programmed into your controller early. And then when they go to break, not a bad game to just check because you don't want to sit there and do nothing. On Fox Sports 1, Missouri is going to be at West Virginia, an SEC Big 12 interconference. Not a bad game to, to check out when the other game's on commercial. What do you think? And that's a noon start for that Missouri-West Virginia? That's right. Of course it is. Oh, I'm setting these guys that? up good. Some, some channel some channel change. I don't know why, Amal, I haven't looked into this. And, you know, sometimes when I go looking and digging into the game, um, I get a different outlook. But for some reason, I feel like Oklahoma is going to go paddywhack Houston. Why? Why Why do I feel that way? Just right now. Uh, well, again, I'm like you. I have to look into the game, and I'm not ready to make a pick. But I, uh, on the surface, I get the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Like, Houston got, like, more than they deserve. Um, and the gods want them to take what they had last year and spread that over the next five years. And uh, you schedule Oklahoma, so you you're in over your head. I don't know. Just just the and remember, Houston feeling. had some it, it, when they played the better teams in that conference last year, if I'm remembering correctly, and I can go pull up their schedule later. They had a couple interesting, you know, where they some crazy games that they won. I mean, definitely an improved program. The coach is a very good coach. But, you know, I think they're going to face some elite-level talent there in Oklahoma, and it's hard in a team's opener to not have them focus. Now, they may be sloppy, but at least they're not going to be looking ahead of Houston. So I think you're going to get Oklahoma's best effort. So I'm kind of with you at this point until I look into the game, though. I'm not going to say it's a pick, but I kind of get the same feeling. Mm. All right. Well, what do we got? Okay, so then you're going to watch those games. If you want to flip around, there's really not much to flip through in the 1 and 2 o'clock slot. There's like three games in there. You've got like Villanova-Pittsburgh. It would be a great basketball game, but not something you have to check the score on. Rutgers is going to Washington. Washington's regarded as a top 25 team this year. Uh, That'll be a tough trip. That might get a little interesting. you got a new head guy there at Rutgers, correct, or am I wrong on that? I can't keep up anymore. uh, they got a new guy, I believe, but that's not one. I, I have a feeling that one will get Chris Ash. Washington. Chris Ash is club. the new head coach there at Rutgers. Yeah, um, and I do happen to think a lot. Just someone I know personally through recruiting circles. I think the guy is going to be uh, a very good head coach. Whether that's going to happen immediately or down the road, I don't know. But it'd be interesting. Rutgers heading to Washington. Well, it is a big. That is a Big Ten Pac-12 matchup, which is always you know a, a nice two-power conferences playing one another. I mean, we give them props just for scheduling it one another so yeah okay there you go you know you have you have that game that's it too but then okay your first set of games ends Oklahoma's over let's pretend it's at noon what rolls up next the 330 games and this one you're going to have to be constantly back and forth in this time slot okay because on CBS at 330 you've got UCLA with uh, Josh Rosen their stud sophomore quarterback out of the Pac-12 Rolling in the SEC country, going down to Kyle Field and College Station, playing Texas A&M. Okay, on paper, that's a great matchup to start the year. It is most definitely um, UCLA coming in with the hype. Uh, people are expecting UCLA to win that 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 southern part of the Pac-12. Is that what I've been seeing? It's kind of split between them and USC. The, the USC's got the deeper, more talented team, but UCLA's got an advantage 
at least perceived in that the fact that the quarterback is a very good player, probably a first-round pick in a couple of years in the NFL, Rosen, um, and, you know, you get some bonus points. And I'm not saying UCLA doesn't have talent. They do. I'm saying USC's probably got more talent across the board, but they're breaking in a guy that no one knows versus UCLA bringing him back. So it's kind of split depending on who you're reading, who they're picking in that south between those two teams. Yeah, and, and UCLA bringing in one of the more talented secondaries in the country uh, up against a Texas A&M team that has, a, believe it or not, a head coach that might probably needs to kick this thing off with a win this year. Uh, agree or disagree there? Well, I agree, and let me tell you what I find interesting in this game. And this is this is what the game inside the game. And you know, we'll, we'll, obviously, as we get closer, we'll really break these down. But Texas A&M has that beast defensive end. Okay, um, yeah. uh, potential. I mean, not potential. He will be an NFL first round pick uh, unless something goofy happens. But he'll be there. Uh, going against a team that obviously wants to throw the ball. Uh, Rosen got knocked around a little bit last year. I mean, his line didn't protect him. I specifically remember when my team played them at the end of the year. They knocked him around. That, that's what basically won them the game. Um, that's going to be an interesting matchup. Can they get this kid blocked and, and let Rosen do what Rosen does? And that, that, That's going to be a great game. But here's the problem. Okay, Same time, we've got another team from the SEC. And this I can't believe, Chad. Sorry to take a shot at the conference. This but, is a game yeah, I'm, I'm going to be anchored in on, but. They usually don't go on the road, let's face it, <laughs> to start the year. <laughs> okay, it's usually you come to us or, you know, you don't play us. LSU's I don't know. Good. I do remember an LSU taking on Oregon a couple of years ago doing something. I do remember that going down. Crazy Tyree Matt Matthews. Hatter is about the only guy that I recall doing that in the conference, and you're right, he did do that. So we give him credit. And the crazy Matt Hatter is going to do it again. He's going to bring LSU into legendary Lambeau Field at 3.30 that Saturday to play Wisconsin, another team that's, you know, consistently, you know, a top 25 program, one of the better teams in the Big in the Big Ten. you got an SEC Big Ten game here. So you're going to be going back and forth between those two because that's two really that's good football be a, that, That's definitely going to be a very interesting football game. I do find this also interesting. Last year, Emil, Les Miles was hours away from being ousted as head coach of the LSU Tigers. I mean, literally hours away. There was a last-minute meeting, I think, in the stadium during a football game in which his job was saved for some reason. Uh, there's much speculation as to why that happened because there's a current coach right now at another program who was uh, almost there. And uh, somehow, some way, Les Miles kept his job. He was on his way to being fired. Less than one year later, LSU is uh, one of the teams talked about being in the college football playoff. How does that happen? Only you can't make this stuff up. I don't know. You tell me. Uh, I mean, I find that to be wildly interesting. Um, Interesting also, but not so interesting in the 3.30 time slot. I do need to – I'm going to bring out the the snoozer boozers, and that's uh, Murray State taking on Illinois. Why is that interesting? Um, It's because – um, we've got a brand-new coach over there at Illinois, Lovey Smith. That's his inaugural game as head coach of Illinois. Yeah, that, that's you know, there's a guy who just got hosed in the NFL. I mean, I, I'm still trying to figure out what the Bears did when they got rid of him, but uh, that's a different conversation for a different show. Um, yeah, Lovey's got his opener at Illinois. By the way, when we're here sitting here, those first two games are probably going to go to halftime around 5, 5.15. So you can then at 5.30 program a third game, and if you have direct, I don't know about other cable, but I know in direct TV, you can save four games and just keep flicking back and forth. 
you're going to want to put in the Georgia-North Carolina game at 530. Okay, that's, that's a nice that matchup. That game, Emil, um has all kind of danger written all over it for Georgia. Georgia, one of the teams expected to be in the battle with Tennessee to win the SEC East. But for a brand-new coach in Kirby Smart, um, who doesn't get a pass because he's been a defensive coordinator for such a long time, brand-new coach, brand-new quarterback, taking on a North Carolina football team, Emil, that um, might make some noise this year in the ACC and can certainly put up points. That is a very, very tough game for Georgia, though it is going to be happening in the Georgia Dome. So it's a semi-home game, but that's a tough opener. Yeah, it is. It is. Now, North Carolina did have, if I'm not, they have a very good offensive line returning, if I'm remembering the depth chart there. But I think they've lost, they lost quite a few uh, different players there that, that that helped make that team last year what it was. Um, mm-hmm. But again, you're right. I mean, it's, it, you know, they've been they've been recruiting well there. I'm sure they have, you know, some kids coming in to, to you know, to help bridge that gap. So I mean, I expect Carolina to be a, a, a pretty good football team. So yeah, that's got. You know that's that's not an easy one, but you're right. Being a, and that's what I'm talking about with the SEC. Sometimes they're playing North Carolina, but it's like a semi-home game. You know what I'm saying? Oh, look at you! This is take shots at the SEC, there. No, because I'm happens. a defender. You know that I'm a defender. I, I most times I'm 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 not with that crowd of people. that's always take. I'm just saying their opening week is usually one where when they when they do play a team, they make sure it's a little bit stacked in their favor. Good Lord. Don't boo him, SEC fans. I know. Oh, yeah, I know. you can well, do it. Well, let's go. Okay, do listen. 3.30 games are ending. Okay. Okay. Let me – come on. I'm, I'm on a train of thought here. I got people all locked in. I, they have their notepads out. The 3.30 games are ending. You're either happy, sad, and you, I don't know if you bet on the games or whatever, you know. They're ending. LSU, Wisconsin's ending here around 7. Uh, UCLA yeah, I think this works out well, though, since there isn't a very good 7:30 game anywhere to be found. No, you're going to sit there and you're just going to keep watching that Georgia, uh, North Carolina game. It's going to be in the early fourth quarter. Hopefully, it's not a great game. It's going to be interesting. You're have, It'll be interesting. Yeah, you're going to have a dilemma. Eight o'clock comes, and uh, you know it's oh, hard. Oh, there's no it's, dilemma. It's, there's no dilemma, friend. You're tuned into this eight o'clock game, whether you like oh, it or yeah. not. This is this is you know first of all just the uniforms alone. I mean, you got two college blue bloods here. You got USC playing Alabama in in Texas Stadium, or, or whatever they call it now, AT and T Field with their hundred thousand. Uh, you better properly capacity. address the names of these uh, these stadiums because uh, the naming rights go for a lot of money. So how dare you? Uh, uh, not AT, the name oh, Jerry, I'm sorry if you're listening. AT and T. Stadium. We have Alabama, the defending national champion, won four of the last seven national championships. Uh, a college blue blood, as, as we call them, playing another college blue blood, my USC Trojans at eight o'clock. That is has to be the game of the day. Is that the name of enough. that team, the, the my USC Trojans? Yes, I put it always right in front. I didn't my, know there was a name. The, the, matter of fact, you'll in. see them on when they come out that night. That's how, what the sign says: my USC Trojans. It sounds like a it sounds like the name of a website. But is that the game on. of the day or no? Is it or isn't? What do you say? Um, you know, you gotta say you gotta say yeah on that. I really like the LSU uh, Wisconsin matchup, but you're talking USC and Alabama. It, I, does it get better than that? What do they have? Well, they rewrote. I mean, that was you know that's the game we tried to educate some of the younger fans a couple of years ago. But that's the game that basically integrated college football in 1970. For those of you who uh, 
like history and sports and all that good stuff. And, you know, 1970, the SEC was not integrated. And Bear Bryant purposely scheduled a game with John McKay's Trojans. And I believe it was in Birmingham, Alabama. And, uh, yes, yeah. he came in. So you also and he knew what was going to happen, kind of. I'm not saying the Bear wasn't trying to win, but he had a pretty good idea. Uh, Sam Cunningham, the NFL running back, was a sophomore at the time. USC came in, and they uh, put it on Alabama, 42-21. Bear Bryant was able to go back to his school and the SEC and say, uh, you're either going to integrate your league or this we is need, We need us one of those. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whatever that is. And we're down yes. here in the south, and I know we got a lot of them. Uh, we need us one of those. Good bear, you know. Bear, yes. bear knew where it was. So anyway, at. so yes, can't you got that, that program in your Alabama. controller. Eight o'clock, okay. And then you have another dilemma. You're gonna you're gonna fixate on that game. I understand. But then, at nine o'clock, you, you've got to get that other thumb game there. Clemson is going to Auburn, and you know, no matter what you want to say about Clemson and what you think of Auburn, Auburn is not going to be an easy place to play for an opener for Clemson, and they will be ready to play that night. You can rest assured of that. Yes, um, you know that. And uh, Auburn, there's a little bit of a hot seat there, believe it or not, uh, for Gus Malzahn. And, uh, man, you're right up against it. Now, here you go. Go get your shot in because uh, this this game is happening in Auburn, Alabama. It's (laughs) happening at the home of the SEC team. Go throw your shot in there, my friend. Well, I mean, listen, I'm I'm a I'm never going to argue what the best conference is. I know it. I'm just telling you. I think even the Alabama game, it's interesting. It's like, well, we'll play you. Let's see. Uh, how about we play at Texas Stadium? That's a nice place to play. Sure. That's not that's not too far from Los Angeles. It's what is it, a car ride probably from Alabama, right? It's a Chad Wilson. You you would do a car ride, wouldn't you? If you were in Alabama and you had to go to Texas Stadium, you, you'd pack up the family truckster. Listen, man, the Alabama folks would uh, drive their cars to Sydney to go watch a football <laughs> game. You understand me? They, they ain't going to make it there because, like, there's some water that's going to get in the way. But they're going to damn sure try. Maybe they'll load those boats through the Gulf of Mexico. Maybe going down to the full, south of Alabama. Pull the tires the up and, and figure- float. I figure if we leave now, we'll, we'll probably float into Sydney sometime around game time. Yes. <laughs> You're right. There you go. <laughs> There's no so game anyway, too far for a Christmas we have content. we have completely laid out your schedule. There's even a 10:30 game if you're really bored. If for some reason the USC Alabama game isn't what you thought it was, or one of these games BYU is going to host Arizona. Uh, not a, two teams that are expected to compete for championships this year, but again a Pac-12 matchup against a very good independent. I mean, you've got games all day. I mean, you could really be up till 2 in the morning if you want, watching some decent you games. You know, I feel a poll coming on, so why not ask the folks on Twitter what they think is the top matchup on that first Saturday. We're going to jump to a break. During the break, I'm going to put that poll up, and we want to hear from you folks out there. What do you think is the top matchup in that first Saturday as we come back? Um, and uh, we can we, – our crack is here. Our crack has been delivered as of uh, September Third, as college football starts back up. We're going to head into a break. When we get back, we'll talk about Hall of Fame writers and voters playing God. We'll talk about that and more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this.
Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Sure, summer's gone, winter's here, but that doesn't mean everyone's putting their t-shirts away. Whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, t-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, do the wording whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper soul at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. 1-857-85-PAPER. T-ShirtSupplies.com. Go there now. Football season's here and you want yourself set up for the weekend. Well, the Gridiron Stud Show is the place to be. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. and get the best picks in college and NFL football from Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino. They'll break it down for you, give you a little analysis and a little intelligence. You can do that or you can do this and listen to this. Hey, call me now. I've got the tough plays for the entire weekend. Call me now on a recorded message that will give you free the Jets versus the Bills, the Lions versus the Cowboys, and the Eagles versus the Bucks. Call me now. I've got winners for you the entire weekend. Absolutely free. 1-800-238-I-WIN. 1-800-238-I-WIN. I've got all the inside info from all the casinos. That are those tickets. Call me free. I've got all the winners. Give them to me. I got them to you. You get them. You got them. I got them. We all got them. No need for that foolishness. Gridiron Stud Show. Every Friday, 10 a.m., Chad Wilson, Abel Calamino give you their top picks in college and NFL, and we win without all the foolishness. No spitting, no yelling. Top plays every week. 
Tune in every Friday, 10 a.m., Gridiron Stud Show, Blog Talk Radio, hosted by Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino. See you there. Youngsters out there don't know about the SOS band. But the title of the song is Just Be Good to Me, and uh, college football is going to be good to you on that first Saturday. A ton, a ton of very good games. I picked four, Emil, and put them up on the Twitter poll. It's up right now uh, on at Gridiron Studs. What's the top college football game on the first Saturday? The choices are LSU versus Wisconsin, USC versus Alabama. UCLA versus Texas A&M and Clemson versus Auburn. The uh, no surprise here. Only 15 votes in so far, though. Uh, USC Alabama is your top vote getter. No surprise there, but let's see if they hang on. And I see how you've already prejudiced the poll by removing Oklahoma Houston because you feel like Oklahoma is going to paddywhack. <laughs> paddywhack is the word that I use because this is a uh, rated. PG program, but yes, paddywhack is a word I used. I would have slid him in there. I only get four choices here, but yeah, gotcha. I just have that feeling. Oh, it's going to be before we go to Hall of Fame. Quickly, yeah. I just wanted to hit the uh, for those of you in the don't know this, the Associated Press poll is celebrating their 80th anniversary. Uh, they've had 80 years of polls, 1936 through 2015. If you add it up the way the math works, I know it says 79, but the first year counts. So they had 80 years of polls. This is the 80th year of existence of the poll. So they created their own formula, taking all their polls from every week, from every of the 80 years, and how many polls the team was in, how many times they were in the top 10. They had some complicated formula. I'm not going to get into it like a sabermetrics guy. We know how I feel about them. Um, mm-hmm. But basically, and they looked at the number of championships. Now, for those of you who go look at this poll and find it online, uh, for instance, uh, USC split a championship with Alabama in 1978. Alabama won the AP. USC won the coaches' poll. Alabama is considered the champion because it's the AP poll. No different than 2003 mm-hmm. when USC was the national champion and LSU won the coaches' college football thing. USC was considered their national champion. So that's how they did it. At the end, they have the top. Here's the top five programs in the history, the 80 year history of the Associated Press poll. Number one, well, let's go five. We'll go backwards. Five, USC. They came in at number five. Number four, Alabama. Now, that's a little surprising. I thought they'd – but the way the math worked, they, it was a numerical calculation. Alabama was four. Number three, Notre Dame. Number two, Oklahoma. And the number one prog- program, according to the AP of the last 80 years, the Ohio State Buckeyes. How about that? Pretty. How about that, AP? You agree or disagree? Well, I mean, I don't know if there's anything to agree or disagree with. It's based on, like I said. So that takes us back. Do the math on that math guy. What, 1936? 36. Okay. The first first AP poll is in 36. This year will be actually 80 years, but they've already had 80 polls, if that makes any sense. They've had 80 seasons of polls, but this is the 80th year it started in 1936. So over that course of time, 
based on number of weeks in the poll, number of weeks missing it, uh, years they weren't in it. They had all kinds. It was actually quite well put together, I thought. I mean, you have to read their methodology. It's Ohio State, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Alabama, USC. So furthering the point of our best game from the first opening weekend, you've got two, according to them, of the top five programs in the last 80 years playing one another. Let's read those names off again. Ohio State, Mm -hmm. number one. Number two, Mm -hmm. Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Number three, Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Number four, Alabama. Mm -hmm. Number five, USC. Yeah, I was just, I had you read that off again just so I could think about uh, when was the last time two of the other teams in that top five got together. I guess that'd be Ohio State and Alabama a couple of years ago, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they played one another a couple of years ago. Ohio State and Notre Dame had a couple of games in the last uh, 20 years. That the regular season they played one another in the 90s. That was a big deal. I think, matter of fact, so long ago, I think Eddie George might have still been at Ohio State. I'm not sure, but they played one another. Uh, I'm trying to remember a bowl game, I think a couple of years ago we had uh, Oklahoma play Alabama, and I think we've had Ohio. State state play Oklahoma that I'm not 100% on but it's infrequent obviously three two of those teams play every year and that's what's amazing Notre Dame and USC play each other every year yeah uh which is good to have and I guess that's part of the reason why that goes you know if I had to guess and and let me just say this I'm I'm happy that a poll like this was done I don't know if scientifically is the word I want to use, but there are some numbers used in it. And, and, you know, sometimes numbers lie. A lot of times numbers lie. But if you're going to do something like that and include such a wide space of time, I think you do need to go that route because you could have a hundred different opinions when you start doing something. Before you even go into that here, I'm going to try to give you a a basic here. Total in all the polls, now remember there's 80 years, so they've had, let's say, 15 polls a year, I'm going to guess. They've had 1,200 polls over 80 years. They took total appearances in the polls. So, for instance, Ohio State made 852 polls at 77% of the time. They had 105 weeks at number one, five championships according to the AP, of course. They even tell you their best full decade. Oklahoma Mm -hmm. appeared in 71% of the polls. They had 100 and a half. In In other words, they were tied at number one one year in a poll one week. So they had 100 and a half number ones. Notre Dame had 98 number ones, 69% of the polls. Alabama, 67% of the polls, 74 number ones. USC, 67% of the polls, 90 and a half number ones. So obviously we just figured out that USC and Oklahoma tied one year at number one right. one week in the poll. So. Right, right. Well, yeah, well, I, I can appreciate that they did that. I That, that is that is. Nebraska comes in at six. Just for, We'll round out the top ten quick before we get to the Hall of Fame. Nebraska comes in at six according to this methodology. Michigan 7, Texas 8, ooh, not your favorite club, Florida State 9, and mm-hmm. your, one of your favorite new teams, Florida comes in at 10, uh, and let's mm-hmm. find your Hurricanes. They're down here. Uh, the Penn State's 12 and Miami's 13. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, well, you know, when you're going 80 years of history, we were not very good I understand. I understand. So I got well, Florida understand. State didn't start football. Here's one for you. Florida State didn't start football until like 1940-something. Um, yeah, if they start going in the last 50 years or the last 20 years, I'd be interested in seeing how that shapes sure, out as well. Sure, so maybe course. they do have something like that out there. They just 
didn't uh, trump it up as much as well, the they last. Well, they even tell you in, in this whole write-up, if somebody wants to Google it, they'll tell you the worst decade for the program, like Florida State. Worst decade, 1950, no polls appearances. Florida State started football in 1947. Best decade. Florida State in the 1990s appeared in every poll, 100%. Hmm. Wow. And where can we find this? I'll tell you uh, what. You send well, me the link. The Chicago I'll post Tribune. It. I'm going to send it to you to post right now. It's, yeah, I'll post I've, it I've up pulled on, it up on, on the Chicago Twitter. Tribune, and you could throw it up somewhere on one of your multiple social media outlets. There yeah. you go. They can, people can go. Yeah, through, I'll put it up on. I'll put it up on the Twitter account. You know, right now, um, and uh, you folks can take. Now, a that's look a good at list. You, you have to admit, as far as lists go, that's pretty cool because they developed it. It's not based on two guys like us sitting here saying, "What do we think are the." You know, they, they at least use some methodology, and as you said, numbers can lie and be massaged, but at least they had a, they went into it, I'm, I'm assuming, with no prejudice because they're just the AP. I mean, it's not like a bunch of Alabama fans put the poll together or something, or Ohio State fans. Yeah, yeah, so, um, you know, you, you, folks that are into statistics and stuff like that, um, you know, you could jump all over that right now. Uh, speaking of polls uh the poll we're running right now on at gridiron studs twitter account what's the top college football game on the first saturday your choice is lsu versus wisconsin usc versus alabama ucla versus texas a&m clemson versus auburn this is probably going to be a runaway and it should be i guess usc versus alabama i'm more interested in seeing who folks think the next best game is going to be and right now that is a slim choice in favor of Clemson versus Auburn at 16%, UCLA and Texas A&M 13%. And I'm a little surprised that LSU-Wisconsin is running last in this poll at 7%. But right now, USC versus Alabama at 64% is your number one vote-getter on that. Again, you've got uh, you've got some time left on this poll, so let's see what shakes out throughout the day. But right now, USC and Alabama running away with it. Emil, if I told you, if I gave you the following numbers for wide receivers, and this may or may not be fair, but... Uh, Career-wise, this particular receiver had 336 receptions for 5,462 yards and 51 total touchdowns in his NFL career. And then there's another guy who had 1,078 catches for 15,934 yards, 153 touchdowns. Which one of these guys would you say are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? A or B? Well, I hate to. We didn't talk. I hate to rain on your prey, though, because I already know the stats from the second guy. That has to be Terrell Owens, and I'm going to guess that he should be in the Hall of Fame, but I'm going to guess that he's not for some godforsaken reason. Um, and, you know, and I th- just this is a prime example of, I think, pro football writers and the voters for the Hall of Fame playing God. Okay, listen, I'm on record uh, on this show as having said, doesn't care for Terrell Owens' attitude as a teammate. And what was my saying I always said about Terrell Owens? If he's on your team, on you're your not team. winning the Super Bowl. You're not winning the yeah. Super Bowl if he's on your team. Very much a Mimi guy. Emil, he's not the first one at the wide receiver position to adopt such an attitude. He definitely, in this day and age, won't be the last. But having said all that, there's absolutely positively no denying what Terrell Owens did when he was in a uniform every Saturday, I mean every Sunday, playing in the National Football League. And when you pile up 1,000 receptions, when you pile up 1,000 receptions and 15,153 touchdowns, I don't know how many people in the game have more touchdowns than that. Why is this man waiting to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame? By the way, those first numbers I read were for Lynn Swan. He's someone that's often 
uh, attacked for being in the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame because of his meager numbers as a wide receiver. Um, in in fairness to Lynn Swan, it was not a pass-happy era, and he was a member of four Super Bowl teams. But if you're putting someone in with 336 receptions and 51 touchdowns, tell me why you can't put someone in who had three times that production in well, every one of those your categories. Point, not, to, not to pick on Lynn Swan, because you know I like Lynn. He's a USC guy, so I'm already a homer. But the truth of it is, I mean, as good as he was, and he made some great catches, and we all remember the one over Benny Barnes, those of you who are old enough, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, for him to – the Steelers were a defensive team first, especially for those first couple Super Bowls. So it's hard to say that the Steelers wouldn't have won a couple championships without him. So, Right. You know, I mean, and I take a look at a guy from the same era who's not in the Hall of Fame only because one of those games was not reversed is Drew Pearson. Drew Pearson was a three-time first-team All-Pro. Yeah. Not in the Hall and of Fame. More receptions. 489 receptions, almost 8,000 yards in a non-pass happy era. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Flip one of those Steeler Cowboy Super Bowls. He's probably in there, and maybe Swan is. I mean, too much Amol, and and this also would include the Baseball Hall of Fame because these are the two. Let's be honest, the two Hall of Fames that get debated the most. Uh, I don't see people well, getting too much up easy. in arms. I mean, let's face it. For some reason, basketball is more of an individual sport. I mean, guys isolate in the NBA. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to say, uh, let's, let's see, let's put Kobe in the Hall of Fame, LeBron, <laughs> Tim Duncan. Right. I mean, it's not real hard. Sure. Um, so we don't get too many debates on that. But do we put too much of an importance on the Hall of Fame with respect to championships won because it's a team sport i mean you had a great team you're a member of a great team but this is an individual thing the hall of fame you know would we be better to say, let's just to put the whole pittsburgh's 1978 football team in the hall of fame and we'll just call that uh the hall of fame for the 1978 pittsburgh steelers but let's not do something like put lynn swan in there with 336 receptions if we're going to keep terrell owens waiting I've always felt that, and I think that I think it happens a lot in both of those sports for some reason. And people like to attach. I mean, we've we've said it ourselves. I mean, you'll talk about a quarterback, and you'll go, "Oh God, he's a winner." Well, yeah. I mean, I understand there is a certain there is a certain you know personality and and charisma that that championship quarterbacks have, but at the same time, let's not kid ourselves. Trent Dilfer, nice guy, love him as an analyst. He's got a Super Bowl ring. Uh, Brad Johnson, he's got a Super Bowl ring. Doug Williams, I don't think any of us are under the delusion that they were better passers than Dan Marino or Dan Fouts. Right. So, no. so you know what I'm trying to say. I mean, and, and we get caught up in statistics. I mean, again, football, let's go stay on football for a second. Ultimate team game, okay? Uh, sure. You look at stats. Now, let's flip Troy Aikman and Brett Favre. I'm not sure Brett Favre would win three Super Bowls in Dallas for one reason. Not because he couldn't. He was one of the best players ever played that position. Because I'm not sure Brett Favre could have could have let his ego do what Dallas mm-hmm. did in that era, where a guy like Aikman mm-hmm. was able to. Because I'm, I'm confident Aikman could have thrown for 50,000 yards if he went and played in Green Bay. Perhaps if he would have been set up that way. You know, Aikman probably could have done that right there with the Dallas Cowboys if they were set up with that. But they were set up to win Super Bowls, and that would include a balanced attack, and you did have Emmitt Smith back there. So, you know, 
you got to you got to think about all that part of it too. But I, well, I that's don't what know. I'm saying. I, it all what I'm getting. You're making my point for me. It all fits together. So I think when you analyze for Hall of Fame, you have to have people that are intellectually honest enough to look at a player and say, okay, Troy Aikman threw for thirty thousand yards, but. Let's look at what the guy did in game, big games. Let's look at his completion percentage. Unfortunately, they did that, and they said this guy's a Hall of Fame player. Okay, he, they didn't say, oh, well, you know, you didn't throw for fifty thousand yards. Well, anybody watching football at the time knew that Aikman was a surgeon, and one of the reasons that Emmett Smith could run is because Aikman and Irvin would make you pay. But they did it judiciously. They might have only thrown twenty-five times a game. They complete seventeen of them. Okay, sure. but uh, people want to say, well this guy's a winner or Dan Marino's a loser. He didn't win a Super Bowl. Wait a second here. Okay. I'm not saying I don't have my qualms with Marino. We've talked about on the show. I think he mm-hmm. liked to run up some stats, but the bottom line is while the dolphins were a very good team in that era, anybody watching football knew they were missing some pieces. Now that could have been because he wanted to throw the ball. I get that. But defensively, think back to when Marino played. I mean, the dolphins were giving up yards by the chunk, and that could have been because they threw the ball too much, whatever. But all I'm saying is I don't think it's fair to put it on one player and say they they didn't win the Super Bowl when Dan Marino was the quarterback. Yeah, what is what should be the overarching theme for picking the Hall of Fame in the NFL, right? Let's just let's just confine it to that. What should be the overarching theme there? Uh, you know, you were you were something special during your era. I think that's what it should be about. You know, whether you won a Super Bowl or not, or you won multiple Super Bowls or not, you were, I don't want to use the word legendary, but you were something special in the game at that time. And there, if, if, if that's what you're saying, if that's what you're using, you got to put Terrell Owens in there when he's eligible right away right now. Well, I think it's hard the way they do the Hall of Fame because I think it's hard to let sports writers vote. And here's what I mean by that. I'm not saying you can't be intelligent and know the sport in the media. There's quite a few guys that do, quite a few guys that don't. I think there's some biases that come into play when you say sports writers. You you know, sometimes you read my mind. The problem is sports writers are a lot like fans, okay? Fans have a hard time sitting down and divorcing themselves from guys they like and don't like and saying, Mm. yeah, you know, I didn't like him. But he was really, really good. Okay, fans. A lot of fans struggle with that. Sports writers do to a degree because they interview guys, and there's guys they just don't like because those guys are not nice to them. There's guys. Yeah, that they're just... gonna rough them up. And listen, Emil, you're you're an athlete. Okay, there's enough pressure as it is to perform, and you've got some guy um, with glasses on and Docker's pants um, just cutting you to pieces in an article. Or even uh, even on TV, it's very difficult for you to turn around and be nice to that guy when he comes asking you questions in a locker room. So you know you might rough that guy up, but then now later on, it's a little difficult for you as the writer to turn around and uh, go and vote for this high esteemed honor when you've been roughed up by a guy. I mean, listen. Well, let me ask where, you this, and, and I've matured a little bit as a fan. I'm sure you have as you get older. Here's what bothers me. If I was writing for a living, here's where I would cut a guy up. I can deal with physical limitations, okay, because not every guy is Barry Sanders. Um, not every pitcher is Clayton Kershaw, okay. there's Obviously, there's reasons some guys are the best. I can deal with the fact that maybe a guy is limited, and, and I, I probably wouldn't cut him up for that. But where I cut guys up, even now as a fan, is I cannot stand the mental mistakes, when you're especially right. at the pro level, when you 
in other words, I watch baseball a lot. Anybody who listens to the show knows we talk about that occasionally. I like baseball. You do too. When mm-hmm. I watch a guy bat in a situation, and I admit, I, you know, I only played up into college. I was never a professional. But mm-hmm. having played, you go up to bat in a certain situation. Mentally, you have to know what your job is to do there, you know, whether it's to get a guy over to third base. Sure. If a guy goes up with a terrible approach, swings at the first pitch, pops it up when he's supposed to hit the ball to the right side, that's where I cut a guy up. Because mm-hmm. that's something you can control your approach. Now, you may strike out. That, that's different. That's physical. But if you had the right approach, I'm okay with that. And I'm sure as a football coach, you probably feel the same way sometimes. You know, you might have a kid that Yeah, be smart about knows. the game, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely be smart about the game. But more and more, Emil, the criticism for athletes has has a lot more to do with what's going on off the field of play than anything that's happening on it. That's just where we are. That's where we're headed. That's going to continue. It's going to get worse. And, uh, like, the game's almost an afterthought now. Well, you're right. And, let me, you know, you, you bring up Terrell Owens, and he's right now, in my mind, I think you hit a great one there. It's the most egregious omission in the Hall of Fame at the current moment. But I'll tell you what, baseball, and this was my rant the other day, you, know, you look at the Baseball Hall of Fame. Now, you guys out there listening can think what you want, okay, but I, I've watched a lot of baseball in my life, got a lot of games, saw a lot of these guys in person. Barry Bonds, uh, A-Rod, now that he's retiring, okay, Roger Clemens, if they're not in the Hall of Fame, then I have no interest in seeing the Hall of Fame because I saw them play in person, and I'm telling you right now, they were some of the best that ever played, period. Yeah, uh, and that's even before the alleged use of any enhancements um, and to be honest with you, during this time in which they played, everyone and their mother, like it all evens out to me. Everyone and their mother was on this stuff, um, and they were the best of the ones on this stuff. And it's really all. Well, about you know, one of my one of my era. favorite targets, two of them of my uh, sports writers that I love to hit up, and he, one's not even a writer anymore or whatever. Bob Costas, who just loves baseball numbers, loves Mickey Mantle, Peter Gammons, okay. Even Jason Stark, they all go into this garbage about, you know, the, the, the numbers, the numbers. Well, what, let's go back. Let's talk about Mickey Mantle and Whitey Ford. You're a Yankee fan. They used to mm-hmm. booze every night. It's legendary. They drank every mm-hmm. night. They sure. come to the park the next day hungover. But back then, they put these bowls out with greenies in them, which are amphetamines, mm-hmm. and people mm-hmm. ate them like M&Ms. So you threw a couple right. down, okay, and now you wake up. Well, I'll tell you what. When you're awake it's a lot easier to hit a ball going 90, 95 miles an hour than when you're hungover. So should we remove Mickey Mantle from the Hall of Fame? Because I'm telling you, he took a lot of amphetamines. That's a fact. Yeah, we just didn't have as many sports reporters back then, and they weren't as so interested as to what you did once you walked out of the stadium. So, you know, that's just the but fight that we have. for some reason, these guys, to your God point, to your God point, they play – Bob Costas doesn't find that as much of a problem. But he does with with the stories. And I'm telling you right now, if it was as easy as just taking steroids, and I'm not saying they didn't help, but if it was as easy to just take steroids and be great, then we should have Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Baseball Hall of Fame and a bunch of linemen from the NFL. I'm, I'm telling you, it's not just Barry Bonds when he still had a size 11 shoe before he grew his head in his face. He had three Yeah, MVPs. but you know, Barry wasn't kind to the reporters, and so now a lot of these guys have their arms folded. Well, I'm mad at him forever so i'm gonna make him wait we're just gonna make him wait they know they got to put him in there terrell owens is gonna get in the nfl football hall of fame or they just should just close that down how could uh, like roger they did clemens, the stadium yesterday 
you saw Clemens with the Yankees. You saw him his whole career. You you were alive and saw his whole career. How could Clemens? Okay, now granted, he was an ornery bastard, and he was a lot of things that people didn't like. He has seven Cy Young awards. Seven. He won four. Or five so someone of them voted him for those things, right? Right, but he won four or five of them before he even knew what this alleged human growth hormone or whatever the hell they, they said they were taking was. He was this skinny kid from UT when he won his first two or three. Okay? I mean, give me a break. He was one of the best ever. A-Rod, I had a guy tell me yesterday, how does a tall, skinny, six-foot-three kid hit almost as many home runs as Babe Ruth? I wrote back to him on Facebook. He was really good. He goes, he said, juiced. I said, oh, yeah. So I said, he hit all those because he was juiced, huh? I said, well, he, he hit just 25 when he was Well, that's exactly, yes, he contradict, contradicted himself, but... He hit forty. He hit twenty-five homers when he was forty years old last year, and he's probably getting tested once a week. <laughs> yeah, um, he's bowing out of this thing too, Emil. Real quick, as we wrap up the show here, he's bowing out of this thing, and I believe he's four short of seven hundred. Is that correct? What do you something think of that? like that? But I, I, I don't think you know. Obviously, I think that that was a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of the Yankees came to him and said, "We have to pay you twenty-seven and a half million dollars. We prefer you." rather than play and I think he tried to take the high road you know I see a, mat- a maturation happening with A-Rod a little bit I think he genuinely mm-hmm. felt yesterday um, I-, I had empathy for him it was hard for him to walk away um, I-, I feel like he understands what baseball did for him and maybe mm-hmm. as he's maturing a little bit hopefully he'll write the next chapter and become a more likable guy yeah which uh, which can happen or you know kind of fold off into the into the sunset and you not be heard much from but um yeah listen i don't know 700 is a milestone but not even that much anymore he's like he's not going to touch a record there but nevertheless uh he's bowing out we'll see if they uh hold those things against him and keeping him out of the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. More to come on that. Well, listen, man, uh, we've come to the end of another great show. Next time we're on is going to be Friday at 10 a.m. Friday at 10 a.m. I do want to make this programming announcement. We will have our college, we will begin our college football conference breakdown as we do every year. That will start next Monday as we start to give you uh, both Emil and I's predictions on uh, how we think the conferences are going to shake out, the major conferences in college football, and then that will, uh, that program will be, uh, followed up with the uh, our thoughts on the NFL divisional races, and then we give you the Super Bowl again. We've been pretty good with that over the years, uh, and giving you who the two Super Bowl participants will be. Uh, so we'll, those shows are coming up. Stay tuned for that. We'll be uh, announcing that on Twitter. So uh, be on the lookout for that and uh, our predictions, because uh, everyone predicts, right? Emil, everyone does that. We got you. Got to make a prediction. But we hold ourselves. We, we we review our predictions, unlike a lot of outlets. We do go back and admit when we were bad. Yeah, we don't just flush them down the toilet and wash them away. We do own up to our stuff. Now, it becomes easier when you've been as good as we've been about it. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll uh, check in on how we did last year. We'll give you our stuff for this year. That's coming up next Monday. We're on again on Friday at 10 a.m., but uh, for now, we want to thank you all for checking in and listening to the Gridiron Stud Show and helping us make a, be a featured show on blogtalkradio.com. For Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. See you guys on Friday. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com.
today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridEyeStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.